Hey, golf addicts, it's David with Tour Junkies. We appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this week's podcast as Pat and I break down the WGC Bridgestone. We have a special guest that we're really excited to bring to you guys this week in PGA Tour Pro, Scott Piercy. Scott, most recently finishing second at the U.S. Open, just having a great year and, and a good guy on tour. And he was gracious enough to give us about 30 minutes of his time and come on the podcast and talk about life on tour and about Scott Piercy and some good stuff. So it's a great conversation. We hope you guys enjoy it. After that talk, Pat and I are going to follow with our preview and picks for uh, the Bridgestone. And, of course, we recap Quick and Loans National. It's a good podcast. It's a unique week for DraftKings this week, so uh, we talked some strategy. So be on the lookout for that. And, listen, we want to thank you guys for uh, repeatedly listening to the show. We, we couldn't do it without you, and we thank so much. We also want to thank a sponsor for this week's show, and that would be EliteEventsAndTickets.com. Listen, the Ryder Cup is, is at Hazeltine this year in, in Minnesota. We're excited about it. You know, you're not going to get a chance to see the Ryder Cup again in the U.S. for another four years. It's in, I think it's in Jersey, which you don't want to go to Jersey. Like, don't do that. Uh, Ryder Cup is from September 27th to October 2nd this year. Elite Events and Tickets is offering small packages for a practice round, tournament round, and some lodging at a Hilton property. And they even have larger packages that's going to be practice round, tournament rounds, hospitality, so food, you know, transportation, they'll set you up with a tea time. They, lo- they do lodging at the Hyatt or a Mystic Lake Casino. It's incredible stuff. I have personally used Elite Events and Tickets before. They do great work. I promise you guys they will give you the best time and the best trip. Go see them at EliteEventsAndTickets.com to browse the Ryder Cup packages right now and get it booked. There's also a chance Pat and I are going to be up there, and we'd love to hang out with any of you guys if you're if you're in uh, if you're at Hazeltine. It'll be a good time. So thanks again for downloading this week's podcast, and may your screens be green. Here's Scott Pearson. All right, golf addicts, welcome back to another edition of the Tour Junkies podcast. You got Pat Perry on the line with my boy David Barnett. And we are very excited to uh, introduce another guest onto the show, a guy who was coming off his best finish in a major, played at San Diego State. He uh, also won the 2015 Barbasol, the 2012 RBC Canadian Open, and the 2011 Reno Tahoe Open. Please welcome Mr. Scott Piercy to the show. How you doing, Scott? Doing good. How are you guys? Great. And we are we are doing excellent. Uh, we really appreciate you being on. So let's jump into it. Let's talk a bit about the U.S. Open. I know it was uh, just a great week for you. You absolutely just striped it on Sunday. Just a great ball striking day. Finished T2 at minus one. Uh, and you, you also kind of contended at Augusta as well and now the Open. So, you know, talk a little bit about last week and, you know, what are some of the things that you think you might could do to just kind of close the gap uh, on these majors? Because you're, you're obviously very close to winning one of these. You know, you know, obviously ball striking helps, but uh, I feel like at Augusta on Saturday, my putter kind of kind of let me down a little bit. Um, I, had, I had one bad chip at Augusta on 15, ended up making eight, chipped it in the water from the back of the green, and then pre-putted from like six feet there, which kind of took me out of the running. But uh, the weekend at Augusta, I think the putter went a little bit cold. Um, you know, I, I felt like I putted well at the U.S. Open this week. Um the greens there are really difficult, just like Augusta. But uh, you know, just just a couple. Uh, what what day was it? I think on my second round, I hit uh, 17 of 18 greens at yeah, the U.S. Wow. Open, and I really I hit it really close on a lot of on a lot of holes. I had a lot of sevens and ten footers that uh, that I did I didn't convert. So I think that you know just you know, you know, maybe chip it, you know, six, seven feet on those and not convert those two. So I think just converting, you know, some of the, a few more putts is, uh, is really a, uh, the next step for me. The day I had, uh, that I hit 17 greens, I also had four, three putts that day to shoot two under. So Pat, what would you say the over under is for me to hit 17 greens? I say four rounds. I think it would take me four rounds to hit that. <laughs> at least, at least four. <laughs> Well, you mentioned you mentioned DJ, and, and we don't want to beat this to death, but but talk a little bit about that Sunday and and just what happened with DJ. You know, when did you guys you know 
find out what was going on and about the possible stroke penalty and just, you know, kind of talk through that and what your reaction was like. I ended up seeing it late Sunday night. Somebody sent it to me on Twitter to see, but um, during the tournament, on we had just put it out on 14, walking to 15C, our, our walking official was uh, kind of came up to me and surged and was like, uh, Dustin Johnson may be getting a one-stroke penalty. And me and Serge just kind of looked at our, looked at each other and then looked at her and were like, why are you telling us this? Like, we have, <laughs> like, the 15th hole, the hardest hole in the golf course to play, and we don't want to hear about that, really. So, um, we both kind of ignored it, honestly, and, you know, it wasn't anything that we could do about it, so we didn't really ask questions. Not anything else was brought up about it, and then, uh, you know, when we got done, we kind of said, you know, what's the deal, and we we still didn't even see it, so they they weren't re, uh, replaying it when we got done or anything like that. So we kind of found out afterwards, and then when I saw it later, I was like, you know, I think everybody's kind of up in arms about it. So it's uh, I'd be I'd be furious if that was me getting a one stroke penalty and I didn't cause the ball to move. So do you think that uh, is there ever a chance you think that the PGA Tour will consider you know writing its own rules and and getting out from under the USGA or is it just is this just something we're going to have to deal with, and it is what it is? I, you know, I, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I just think that sometimes the USGA doesn't adapt very easily or quickly. You know, that clear, he clearly didn't cause the ball to move. You know, you know, I think the announcers, is what I, from what I've heard, said it best. When you have greens that have five degrees of slope in every one of them with 15 on the stent meter, you're going to get balls to move. I think. Um, yeah. I think Shane Lowry on the first day or the second day had one move on him. So, I mean, it's not, you know, if we all know if we made a move or if we didn't make a move. I mean, then your putter two inches behind the ball is not going to make your ball move. You know, and that's where golf and being honest and integrity and all that stuff comes in. Guys call it on themselves if they did it. So, obviously, they'll probably end up looking at it after, you know, they messed up so bad, I feel like. But, um, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, separating themselves from USGA and tour doing it on their own. But, you know, you'd like, you'd like for them to not be so unadaptable, I guess is a good word. Not a lot of flexibility with the USGA, it appears. So let's, let's talk more about your game, Scott. And, uh, you know, what, what would you say of the courses that you, you know, you look at on your schedule? What are the courses that fit Scott Piercy's game the best? I, you know, I think they're all over the place. I mean, one of my favorite places is the Sony Open at Wiley, which, you know, it's kind of a real flat, kind of old school, short course. You know, I feel like if I'm playing how Scott Piercy can play, there's really not a golf course that doesn't fit me. Um, yeah. You know, I love Phoenix. Um, I, I actually like Firestone, even though I haven't played that many times. Uh, I'm not as comfortable on that as I would probably like to be. Um, I like the Greenbrier a lot. Um, you know, I actually like John Deere. Uh, except for the heat and the time of year at the, <laughs> you know, then I like, uh, I like the Wyndham championship. Uh, I like that golf course. I, I play well there. Um, but that's a totally different golf course it's up and down hills, you know, it's, you know, so, um, you know, I've had success there playing well, uh, where else, you know, Vegas, I obviously play well in Vegas, generally speaking, but it's home. Yeah. Um, do you, do you play any courses, um, like, like we asked, we asked Brooks Kepka this show one time, this uh, this question on our show one time, and we basically asked, are there any courses that he doesn't like? And he said, yeah, the ones I don't play. <laughs> are there <laughs> are there courses are there courses on your schedule that you play that you just even you're playing but you just don't really you're not a fan of? I wouldn't say I don't like the golf courses, but there's definitely like Quail Hollow, for instance. I love that golf course. I love being, you know, I love the. I love like everything about that tournament, but I feel like at that tournament you have to hit a draw around that place on every hole, and I hit a cut, so it sort of yeah. just upset my game. Do you know what I'm saying? Where yeah, I, you know, another one is Riviera. I really like Riv, but I've never played good there. So those, I mean, I don't like. It's like you get there and then you don't like the course because you haven't played good. But I, I like it. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's more of yeah. Um, Either I haven't figured out how to play the golf course correctly, or you know, Quail Hollow is the one that stands out the most, probably as far as 
hidden draws or, you know, kind of not fit yeah. in my eye, I guess. You know, so it's, it's stuff like that. I try to try to go back to the places that I've had success. So one of the things that we do every week on, on our show is we, you know, we break down the PGA Tour um, event, the venue, um, and then, of course, we do a lot of, you know, uh, we, we do the fantasy golf stuff and the, the betting stuff. And uh, so we're all, always looking for stats and, and player, you know, the, the course fit. Uh, if you will. So do you guys, do, do you and your team um, take a look at statistics and analytics um, or are you guys really not that heavy into that kind of stuff for your, when it comes to your own game? Oh, I, I have a, actually have a, a guy that I work with uh, for the stats and stuff. My coach is big into the stats. Um, you know, another course, for example, is congressional this week. I've never made the cut there. So yeah. You know, my my stats guy kind of paints a picture of sort of what my game is and how it's trending, and you know, kind of overlays the, the I guess the the golf course. Um, there's definitely some thought put into that. Or if it's a golf course that I generally don't like, um, you know, the stats sort of say, you know, hey, at this golf course to play well, you need you need to be good from 100 to 150 yards this week because there's a lot of wedge holes. Let's say so. You're not going to go work on your four iron and your five wood or your right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, generally speaking, you always have to drive it well. But if you drive it well this week, you're going to have you're going to have sand wedge to nine iron all week. So make sure you're hitting a lot of nine irons and wedges and stuff like that. Or you know, putting like you know, certain golf courses um, require. I mean, certain golf courses that's like ten to twenty feet is is it's something that you need to focus on as far as putting, you know, because you can't really get close to the ends, whereas a lot of other weeks, you know, inside of, say, 10 feet or inside of 7 feet is a lot more important. So, um, you know, you kind of do your preparation according to that a little bit. All right, so let's get into some fun stuff here, and, and we're going we're gonna, to um, ask you to get real with us here, Scott. So what's the dumbest question that you get asked all the time? by a member of the media or a fan. Hopefully it's not one that we've already asked. <laughs> I think I think the dumbest, I mean, the dumbest one is like when you shoot 64 and you're leading the tournament and they're like, what was good today? Well, everything. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> 64, did you not watch? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, uh, that's what, I mean, I don't know if they're teeing you up to say something stupid or right, say, right. You know, but that's always like, really, come on, like. So let's think about from the fan perspective. What's the biggest golf fan pet peeve you have during a tournament? What just bugs you about golf fans? You know, it's like, I guess one of the things this this week was, like, I get the people get excited. They get a few drinks in them. Okay, yeah, yeah, for stuff and. But like when you're walking like 20 feet from them and they scream at you, like, <laughs> oh Scott, like, and you look over and they're literally like you could like take two steps and touch them. You're like, like, that's. I mean, I guess that's kind of annoying, but I understand that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's. I, I get one of the questions that I that I get all the time is like on Twitter is like when I do Q and A's on Twitter, you know, that's kind of, I met you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, is what's your dream foursome or like, uh, I don't like other than tournament golf and practicing a couple of times, you know, playing maybe once or twice while I'm home. I don't really play that much golf because yeah. I play golf for a living. So like for me to like, think like I have to like put a foursome together and go somewhere. That's like kind of annoying to me. I don't know. <laughs> So talk a little bit about, you know, kind of your favorite guys on tour to hang out with or play with. You know, who are who are your buds out there? I think maybe I saw where you might uh, hang with Bubba a little bit. So just talk a little bit about that. Um, You know, obviously there's fun guys to play with, and I enjoy playing with Bubba. Um, we give it to each other, you know, pretty good back and forth. He can take it. He dishes it out really well, so he doesn't get his feeling hurt. Some guys – they like to dish it, but they can't really take it coming back. So, but uh, you know, I like playing with Sergio. I thought I had a great pairing on Sunday with Sergio. We just, I think we mesh really well. We get along well. Um, 
easy to talk to. Uh, you know, Ricky Fowler's good bud. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, Brendan Steele's always been a really good buddy for, you know, since the, since the nationwide, um, or web.com, whatever it is now. Um, so, uh, Billy Horschel's probably another good buddy of mine. Uh, you know, if you can stand to hear him talk all the time. So actually, I actually really like Kevin Na. He's actually a pretty funny person, you know, kind of away from golf and stuff like that. I know he gets a bad rap for the slow play, which he's uh he's a, he's an ultimate grinder, so it might take a few well, he's, more. Like, he's picked it up he's, lately too, though. Yeah, no, definitely, he's definitely picked it up. Uh, him and his daddy are great guys, Kenny Harms. Um, so I enjoy being around them. We we fly together, you know, being from Vegas a little bit, so not. Nah. He is sim- similar to like Bubba, you know, a little bit misunderstood. I, I agree with you there. You know, it, wouldn't you say that about Bubba too? You just kind of misunderstood. Uh, but everything else I hear just seems like a, just a great guy. Bubba's a really nice guy. You know, he's, uh, you know, he says the right stuff sort of in the media and then maybe acts differently, I guess, is what people think. But um, Bubba's Bubba. And, you know, another guy I really like is Sabatini, you know, and he's, you know, a lot of people say they don't like him, but you know he's always been a funny guy, great guy. You know, and so there's not really anybody I don't get along with. A lot of guys say what they think, and people don't like that. So it's like, okay, whatever. It's just Bubba being Bubba, or it's Sabatini being Sabatini, and let them say what they want. Who cares? You know, they're still a good guy. Yeah, Bubba's one of those that people just love to hate. Yeah, I think I think people think he whines a bit. You know, when he's you know those mud balls and. Yeah, you know, that's his way. That's his outlet rather than getting pissed and slamming a club or you know whatever. That's he just sort of talks it out loud, and that's just Bubba. You know, it's like I get pissed and I'm not afraid to throw a club or slam a club. Or I'm getting better, but you know, everybody has their different way of dealing with it, and you know that's Bubba's, and people don't they think it's whining or whatever. So, so you've you've played in two Masters now. You've made the cut both times. Uh, if you won the Masters, what would be your champion's dinner? What, what what would that look like? I think I need to win before I can think about that. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite places to eat in Vegas is a place called Strip Steak at the Mandalay Bay. And uh, they have something called a rib cap, or I've heard it called a rib top, um, which is kind of it was just like my favorite steak. And they also do uh, some really awesome, like, fries and duck fat stuff like that well we're um if you if you look at your twitter feed i mean i, I think strip steak you, you i hope you're on their payroll because you, you <laughs> answer uh you answer a lot of questions with strip steak that's all, that must be a great place i'm gonna have to check that out when we go to when we go to vegas yeah well i mean i'm, I'm sponsored by uh mgm hotels or mgm Grand. yeah and so that's that's part of it but uh i mean it is you know i've been to you know pretty much all the steakhouses kind of in Vegas and that's the one that I, I like the best. So Well, um, Scott, I wanted to ask you about something that, that I didn't know before before we, we realized we were gonna get you on the show and we were doing some research. So we've we hung out with Michael Collins a little bit um at the at the PGA show this past January. Played in the golf tournament with him the Monday after Masters. We're from Augusta and, and based out of Augusta so we met up with him at a, at a tournament after, and he's just such a funny guy. I mean, he is easily one of the funniest, uh, to me, personalities in the golf world. And we knew he was a former caddy, but I didn't know that he caddied for you. And I also learned that, um, uh, you know, in a really stand-up move, if you ask me, you are the only player out of eight that he caddied for that fired him face-to-face, kind of like man-to-man, and I've I've read articles where he you know respects you for that and appreciated that he, he mentioned another un, uh, unnamed player who basically had his wife caddy uh, wife fire Michael over the phone or something which is just crazy to me but uh, you know you and Michael seem to have a good relationship still I see you guys kind of go back and forth on on Twitter uh, talk about him and and y'all's uh, your experience with him as a, as a caddy and uh, and that that whole dynamic. Well, as far as firing him face to face, I don't think that ever happened because he's so short. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll get my chest. Damn. <laughs> um, nice. So, Mike, Michael, uh, you know, it's, uh, 
you know, I was sometimes you, you need caddies for certain reasons, and you know, I was struggling a little bit with uh, you know being happy and having fun, and brought Michael out, and uh, you know, I don't know with him, I can just like I turn, I feel like I turn into a funny guy too. So, um, you know, definitely, um, you know, a guy that I, I wish I saw more out on the tour. You know, now he's working for ESPN. He's not out as much. Um, but definitely love the guy and, um, you know, one, one of those guys that, you know, I always kind of revert to and talk to, you know, chat, chat with, uh, so, um, as far as the caddy, you know, it was, uh, like I say, it was a bad caddy by any means, but, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, certain players gel better, you know, and it was such, for su- such a short period of time, I feel like, uh, with my game that I have. I feel like with my game, I have a few different gears, and so yeah. sometimes it's it's kind of reading between the lines, kind of like a bubba, like oh, it's one ninety. Well, you got to hit nine iron. Well, sometimes sometimes I have that game, you know, and sometimes I got to hit a five iron, you know. So yeah, uh, you know, I I just think that we didn't quite gel all the way together. Do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, you know, yeah. Kedian's just not about like getting a number and telling me a number and kind of. Nah kind of flowing on the same page and you know i guess that would be the only thing that you know that kind of did that so yeah he's a he's a great dude we've had paul story on a couple of times and you know paul's such a good golfer and and uh you know still a good golfer and i, I know he helps web out a little bit when he sees things here and there and one of the things we do know of michael is michael may know golf and he's a really funny guy but he can't play a lick so he would have been no help to you in the fairway i'm sure <laughs> Yeah, and you know, having having a pretty good player on the bag can kind of help you see shots, or yeah, you know, can kind of, you know, and you know, my guy now, Travis Perkins, he played on tour for a year, played the web for a while, um, you know, so he he, he helps him with stuff like that. And hey, what do you you know, what are you seeing here? And oh, I see it in the air, yeah. I see it down low, stuff like that. So, um, but no knocks on no knocks against Michael, just kind of is what it is so well scott david and i both have so we both have two young boys and i believe you've got three young boys at home are, are they into golf and uh you know are we going to see the piercy boys you know in the amateur ranks here here soon you know what's funny is that so i have three i have an 18 year old a 13 year old and a six year old so um i like to say that lots of things in life aren't planned since they're so far apart but um yep. My older two, they enjoy golf. They're not really uh, competitive at it or, you know, hardcore at it. Um, this year at the Masters, so, let, so in 2000, uh, was it 12 or 13, I played the Masters the first time. Um, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get to play the par three because there was a like a first-time participant, like dinner at night, and I got there late, and the only tee time – available was too late so i didn't play the part three well this year i, I got to play it and i brought uh, my youngest son jet and you know i kind of showed him pictures of what you know he could do and he's never really played golf you know he has the putters and wedges and we'll take him out every once in a while but um and i told him i was going to let him putt for me and so the uh you know, the first hole, I hit it up there about four feet. I, I give him my putter. I said, all right, go, go tap it in. And he kind of walks out about 10 feet, comes back. He's too scared to do it because all the people watch him. So I go on and tap it in the first hole. Hit it up to about 20 feet on the second hole. Give him the putter. He walks out, runs back all shy. So I go putt. Make, make a par. So the third hole, I hit it in there about six feet. And he's like, all right, Dad, I'm ready to putt. So I give him the putter, he walks up, and he hits it about 10 feet past the hole and, like, just runs up back the putter. So I go over, and I actually just I, I hit it, tap it in from 10 feet, whatever. So with him putting and me putting, we're one under par through three holes. So the next hole is par four where Fowler and all those guys hit those hole-in-ones back-to-back. Yep. And I, I missed the green just short, and we're walking up the, the fairway, and he goes, Dad, if you chip it close, I'll putt. I'm like, okay. So I chipped it up there about a foot above the hole and walk up to the green, give him the putter, you know, he waits his turn and put the ball down and 
he taps it in the hole. Well, the crowd goes crazy, like, <laughs> you know, super super loud. We walk off. He runs over, hands me the putter. We stand there on the next tee box, and he goes, "Dad, my legs, they're super tired." <laughs> <laughs> so like he, he was still nervous. He was still on like yeah, trip, right. And so I'm like, "It's okay. You'll you'll feel all right. Don't worry. You're you're good." So we stand there for about 20 seconds. And he taps me on, like, on my leg, and he goes, Dad, but I really like when they cheer loud for me. <laughs> you got the bug. Yeah, so uh, that lit the fire, and uh, we got home from the Masters, and he goes, Dad, I want to be a golfer. And so the other funny oh. story is our, our nanny had taken him to the uh, World Monster Truck Finals here in Vegas about two years ago. And he was like four at the time. He comes home, he says, and my whole family's been, or my wife and my other two boys have been baseball players since I was gone and she was a baseball family. So everybody's played baseball. So in order to make money, he thought he was going to be a baseball player, Jet. And so he always wanted to be, after he went to the monster trucks, he said, Dad, I'm going to be a baseball player so I can pay to be a monster truck driver. That was like this whole whole plan so after we got home from the masters he goes dad i'm gonna be a golfer like you so i can pay to be a monster truck driver but so well, that's maybe in, maybe in 10 years or so you might see jet Pierce hanging around yeah that's awesome that's a special memory too on the grounds of augusta man where your where your boy catches the bug at an augusta roar is pretty cool i guess the um, obviously our hometown, that means a lot to us and that, that the roars are unlike any other, even if it's a par three, so, um, yeah, I'll get it. And it, it's funny too, cause Pat and I both, like I said, or like you said, we have, we have boys and mine are, mine are spread out like yours. I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, I've got a 12 year old, uh, and a five year old boy and then a, a one year old girl. So we're, we're all spread out, but I think Pat would agree both of our oldest boys will not be playing golf and they have no interest, but both of our younger ones, um, we could definitely be doing it. My five-year-old is totally addicted to golf and, um, and loves cool. it. We've got him taking lessons and, uh, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty prevalent on our Twitter account from time to time. I post videos of the swing because it's better than mine. And, uh, we, we like to put him up there a little bit. It's cool when the, when the boys start doing stuff like that, it's always a good time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so finishing second at the U.S. Open, I think, gets me into Augusta and the U.S. Open next year. So when I got home, I, I, I he was sleeping when I got home, and he comes up, comes out, and I told him, I said, hey, because he, he's like, I want to go to do the par three every year. I said, so when I came home, I said, guess what? I said, finishing second yesterday gets me back into Augusta. So you get to play the part three again. And his eyes just got so big. Like, That's awesome. He wants to go to Augusta every year. So <laughs> that is awesome. We'll make it happen, man. That's, that's great. I t- I'll tell you, man, we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and pat ourselves on the back here. But even before we reached out to you, uh, Pat and I did a master's preview and we were on Scott Piercy pretty heavy uh, for the master's preview. when we did all our analysis and stuff like that for whatever that's worth. But we were, we were on you pretty good, and and we're glad to see you play well, and I'm um, glad to see you get back get back into it next year. That'll be a good time. Uh, but before we let you go, we are going to ask you one last question that 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 I like asking. I think you, I think it's fun to talk about, um, and it's just random. And we talked about it on our show a little bit, and that is, we want to know Scott Piercy's guilty pleasure of musician, band, group. What is it that you like to listen to that would be a guilty pleasure? So, for example, for me, it is famously Justin Bieber. I'm un- unashamedly a Justin Bieber fan. Um, but who would be your guy, Scott? Oh, if I had to, I'm more like a hip hop, maybe R&B kind of guy. Probably have to go with Usher, to be honest. Okay, okay. That, I, so, I don't know if that's quite guilty enough, but but we'll let it count. You know, because I get uh, a little heat being a Bieber fan. So, I mean. I, I'm like oh. you too. I like the hip hop and the R and B stuff, but I get heat for being a Bieber fan. Would would like Lionel Richie? Like would I get crap for liking Lionel Richie? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, that might qualify. We'll, we'll let you pass. <laughs> that may qualify. <laughs> and a little different, a little different era, but it's it still good stuff, right? I mean, yeah, Bieber, yeah, yeah. Some of Bieber stuff is good. Um, I mean, you got to remember, I got a six year old too that as 
soon as we get in the car yeah. to go to school every morning, he puts it on the hits and sings all the songs that yeah, you know, I don't even know who they are. So uh, I actually got in trouble yesterday, just yesterday, because my five-year-old who picks up on lyrics way better than any five-year-old should. I've been listening to some Brothers Osborne, which is some really good country stuff. And that, I guess he was, you know, you don't think about country just not being appropriate for your five-year-old. But the other day, I got, yesterday I got in trouble because my wife said the five-year-old was singing, taking T-shirts off each other. And I was like, oh, that's that would be Brothers Osborne. And, uh, and I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, uh, well, good stuff, Scott. We appreciate it, man. It's been a good chat. Uh, hope, uh, Hope uh, you know you, you play well in the next upcoming events and, and rest up from Oakmont. I know that was uh, that was brutal, man. I think you played you play 36 on Friday and then obviously in contention. So um, yep. get, you some, uh, get you some rest and go to go to the uh, go to the strip steak over there in Vegas and enjoy yourself. And we appreciate you being on the Tour Junkie podcast. And uh, love to have you on again sometime. Yeah, no worries. And uh, one more stat for you guys is generally I make all my money from June. To the end of the year, so or the majority. Oh, of my good. Money. So, um, it's enough that we've sort of found. You, you think about it, all my wins have come in July or yeah. early August. So, um, you know, it's enough. All those guys betting. This is kind of my time of year when it's hot. And yeah, that's a trend to notice, man. But but you know, we we uh, it seems like it seems like you've you've been up there and in contention a lot uh, a lot here lately. So hopefully you can. Uh, you can you can pull out some wins in months not being July. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, folks. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Scott Piercy. We really appreciate Scott taking some time after a long weekend. Uh, you know, contending for the U.S. Open title. We appreciate him giving us the time and talking a little bit about that and. You know, talking about his game and kind of getting to know Scott as well. He's, uh, you know, he's been on tour for a for a bit and uh, seems to be making a lot more noise here in the last uh, year, year and a half. And I think big things are coming for Scott. We talked about how how close he's been, especially in some of these majors, and uh, it feels like he's he's getting there. So I'm um, pulling for Scott and appreciate him stopping by the Tour Junkies podcast. Hopefully, you guys took some. Some good nuggets from that, uh, Pat. What what do you think of the uh, what do you think of the open talk? I, there was a couple things that I found interesting as far as Scott's take. But what did you think about it? Uh, we we asked him about Sunday at the Open. Yeah, you know it was interesting because uh, I know during the the broadcast, a lot of the announcers, I think uh, maybe Azinger and uh, Curtis Strange, were talking about you know how they would have liked to you know have known as a player you know what was going on back, you know, behind him. But but he mentioned the opposite, that, that he and Sergio, or Serge, as he, as he said, were uh, just didn't really want to know. They were kind of like, why are you even telling us this? So I thought that was kind of cool. But it was just good to get a little insight from somebody who was right there in the thick of it and just see what they thought about it. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, even from his comments, fairly obvious that, that most players, um, as we've heard, obviously did not agree with the, with the penalty, but uh, very, very interesting to hear that. And I think you're right. I think he's very close to being a, a, a player in a lot of these majors. He had a pretty good uh, Masters. He was in contention going into the weekend and then uh, fell out a little bit, as he said, just didn't putt as well. And then, you know, his best finish ever uh, at the U.S. Open. So, um, anyway, great to hear. I loved hearing some of the family stories, too, from his time at the, the par three at the, at the Masters. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, it, I, I was definitely shocked to hear him say that him and him and Sergio kind of were like, "Man, why are you telling this?" He said on fifteen, one of the toughest holes on the golf course, and you're telling us this. So uh, obviously, didn't uh, Scott at least didn't feel like it, it changed his strategy all that much, knowing that the DJ may or may not get a one shot penalty, uh, and also made it pretty clear that everyone thought it was a pretty dumb ruling. So the players agree, and. Um, you know, it, it was it was cool. Also, like the uh, you know his take on Bubba. We've we've had you know other talks about Bubba before, and you know you and I kind of like Bubba, and so it's cool to hear you know him say that he gets along with Bubba and thinks you know thinks highly of him. Uh, we we seem to I feel we like to, you always like when it, whenever we're going to, talking to these players that a Bubba question comes in. Do you do you secretly try to get get a Bubba question in? You know what I do? I, I guess I just kind of feel like I'm I'm 
I'm like his I'm like his his defense attorney or something. You know, like our, our, our buddies at No Laying Up. We, you know, when we talk to them Masters Week. They just hate Bubba, and of course they give him so much grief on Twitter, which is hilarious. Uh, very funny, and they're I think they're famous for coining the Pray for Ted Scott hashtag. So I just kind of feel like you know I know that No Laying Up is out there just giving him the business twenty four seven, and I just feel like somebody like me can just you know try to try to help people understand that Bubba's misunderstood. So I create the opportunity for the tour pro that we have on the show to tell us what they think of him. And we've we've yet to have a tour pro come on here and kind of be like, eh, you know, we've not even had one be indifferent. They've all kind of said that they enjoy Bubba and they like hanging out with him. So uh, I, I'm here to set the record straight is what I'm, what I'm here to do. Well, I know Bubba appreciates that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, interesting recap of the U.S. Open there from Scott. We – we didn't want to beat that, uh, you know, beat the USGA ruling over the head, but it was good stuff to hear from him. And once again, appreciate him, uh, him, him being out. But we we had a, a great golf tournament this past week at the Quicken Loans National Tigers event. Uh, Billy Hurley, just story of the year. Uh, Pat, did you did you did you get a chance to watch a good bit of that event? And you know, you you mentioned Hurley in the podcast a little bit. So were you? Did you have any? Uh, do you have any watery eyes on Sunday? How are you feeling? Were you sitting there sipping your white zen and crying like a Lifetime original or something? <laughs> well, you know I am a sucker for for great finishes like that and, and the story. So it was a fantastic story, and and I appreciate you mentioning that I that I did talk about him on the podcast because I did. I, I would say it was rather indifferent. I didn't exactly uh, give a glowing. Uh, review for for him but but I did think that you would see him play well and uh, of course he did that was um, his first win on tour he's just a fantastic story I mean I know that a lot of folks know if you were watching the broadcast that he uh, went to the Naval Academy and served our country for five years so he had to put his career on hold for that time and then came on tour and and had some struggles but uh in the biggest thing was last year you know his actually this that same tournament last year his father was missing and he he did a press conference anyway and played the tournament and and plead you know to the to the press there to help find his father who was eventually found and then tragically uh you know passed away um a few months later so it was just a really tough year for him and i think the story of him winning and just winning the way he did was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, it was wonderful to see. I really like seeing Els and the way he was too on that last hole. You know, he was he was giving him a hug and just a lot of encouragement. And, and uh, you know, just I, I did have a tear in my eye, David. I did. It was uh, it was good <laughs> to see. And I think probably the one of the best golf story, stories I've seen in a while. Well, that's that seems to be the consensus that Billy Hurley. Uh, the, the victory for Billy is is the best story of the year. I, I thought it was cool too that, like him and him and John uh, Rom got in on the spot. Those those were two sponsors exemptions. I mean, like yeah, yeah. Dang, Tiger Tiger knows how to pick him. It, he needs. We need to get him picking DFS, man. I mean that that's that's a <laughs> those are two baller sponsor exemptions. So that was I thought that was kind of cool. I, you know, the greedy part of me was pulling for Ram because I had I had a lot of him uh, and and. Would have would have made a little more money this week. I still had a great week. That was a good call, by uh, the way. I, I was a little afraid to 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 jump on him so early, you know, off his first tournament as a pro. But uh, you you went all in on it, and it paid off. Yeah, it did. I, I was I was really hoping he'd slam the door on Sunday and catch Billy, and he'd choke, but it just didn't happen. But you know, if you're gonna lose, I guess lose to Billy Hurley in the way he did. That was pretty cool. But yeah, it was a good week for me, and and. We had some good picks, especially our scrub picks. You know, we and again, we kind of said to fade Fowler and and Reed. We we faded those two guys, and well, you that would that I was a, I was a little more on Fowler than you were. But, well, and if you were going to be on one of them, Fowler was obviously the better one. So I mean, it wasn't yeah. wasn't a terrible call anyway. But that that was generally our strategy, and we had some good scrub plays. I mean, you had Steve Marino who made the cut and actually was up there a little bit on Saturday. I, I don't know what he did on Sunday, but. And then I was on Johnny Vegas with the Thursday morning tea time. He comes out and he's in second place after Thursday, and then almost misses the cut on Friday, which is just kind of what he does. But thankfully, he gets enough of a lead on Thursday that he can he can stay the weekend. But uh, we we had some good value plays, so you know it was a really it was a pretty solid week for us. I'm, I was again pretty happy with the results, and hopefully, 
the the listeners had some good week, uh, some good weeks or good lineups this week as well. So uh, good stuff. But that's that's about it for Quicken. So you know, let's let's look forward to the WGC, the Bridgestone. Uh, we've got it at uh, at uh, at Fire Firestone, right? Firestone Country Club South. That yeah, you're you're correct there. Akron, Ohio. So tell us about the golf course and the weather outlook and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Well, yeah, so this is a WGC event this week, the Bridgestone Invitational at Firestone Country Club South Course. Uh, it's a Robert Trent Jones design. It, it's a long one. It's 7,400 yards. It's a par 70 this yeah. week. Uh, you got bent grass greens. Um, you know, this course is uh, fairly iconic, I would say. I don't think there's anything necessarily special about it, but it is a, a tournament that most people watch every year because you usually have some of the best players in the world at the tournament. Now, this year is a little bit different because it's kind of, uh, you got the French Open over in Europe, and uh, some of these players are wanting some Ryder Cup points, so they're playing that tournament instead. Wee oui, wee. Oui. I think last, yeah, yeah. So last I checked, I think there's 61 players in the field, and, and there's more room, but but they're not going to fill it up. But, uh, you know, one of the interesting holes out here is the par 5 16th hole is 667 yards. That would take me probably almost three drivers <laughs> to get to the green. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, you got a you got a no cut event this week, so that tells us one of the things that we're going to look at is wanting scores in our lineup because there's not going to be a cut. Um, weather this week's going to be pretty good. I think we got a we got a week that uh, we may not see any delays. Friday you may see some rain. We got a fifty percent chance of storms, but other than that, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, so looking forward to it. Going to get to see some of the top. Guys play. You got DJ back uh, this week, so um, and I know you've got a few stats that you'll go over. I'll run past some of the past champions here. Uh, you got Shane Lowry last year. Rory won it in 2014. Tiger won one of his eight titles in 2013. Then you had Keegan before in 2012, and Adam Scott in 2011. That's a quick rundown there for you, David. What's the weather looking like there, Pat? I gave the weather. You tuned out again, didn't you? Dang it. God. That's the second week in a row I've, I've literally gone over the course. I mean, have you just decided that you're just going to tune out every, t- every time I do that? I think that? I have. I'm pretty sure. Hold on. Yep, I have. I've definitely decided to do that. Well, that's two weeks in a row, so it's a trend. So you, your recent form is Dang showing it. that you're just going to tune out. Dang it. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, uh, maybe I'll have to go back and listen to our show so I can get the weather. I need to know. Hey, just one chance, one day with a chance of rain okay. Friday. That's all you need to remember. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, so some stats I'm looking at other than form and course history would be driving distance, considering the length out here. Uh, I looked at last year's top ten finishers. You had seven guys out of the top ten finish top 20 in the field in driving distance. Only three of those top 10 finished top 20 in the field and fairways hit. So I don't think accuracy is as important. I do know that the rough uh, out here can be, you know, kind of kind of nasty and, and that it is what it is, but I still think I'm going to lean towards the bombers this week. So driving distance is there. Um, I also looked at some proximity ranges from 175 to 200 and then greater than 200. Again, going back to the distance, so, so I checked that out. And then uh, strokes gained approach I looked at. And then probably the heaviest weighted stat for me this week is going to be right off the Fantasy Golf Metrics site, points against the field average. So once again, just targeting those scores. Um, and that's, that's going to be recent guys who are scoring well in the last 12 weeks, according to Fantasy Golf Metrics. So that's probably a big one for me. Again, like you said, with all four, uh, with all, all four rounds up for grabs for every player, unless there's some kind of withdrawal, you gotta you gotta have guys that can score uh, from top to bottom in your lineup. I think that's going to be important. Yeah. So, what do you think about before we get into the into the players, Pat? How does this? You know, there's always with an event like this, a no cut event, a small field, only 61 players. How does that change your bankroll management? So, do you, you know, do you play? Uh, do you, you know, how many contests do you play? Do you prefer the GPP or the cash games? Um, you know, how does that look for you when you have when you have an event like this? I think for me this week, it's a. Um, I'm probably going to lean more heavily towards GPPs, and I'm probably going to cut back a little bit on my bankroll, um, just because I think there's so much. 
you know, there's just not as much variance with the, uh, you know, with the no cut. And, and I think, you know, with GPPs, you can try and be as contrarian as you want, as you can possibly be, and, and maybe, you know, hit one of those. And so I, I probably am going to focus on being a little bit contrarian, especially in GPP, and um, and not not really go as much on, on the cash lineups. But as you know, I mean, I tend to lean that way anyway, you know, typically. Right. But, um, I am going to scale it back a little bit from a from a budget standpoint, and uh, just kind of get ready for uh, the open in a couple weeks. You know, that reminds me. We probably should mention that next week has been uh, canceled with the Greenbrier. So I yeah, that's if, right. You know, I don't, if we'll talk about that later at the end of the show or, or now, but uh, that, that's 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 going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you brought it up. So yeah, Greenbrier is basically ruined. I mean, I, I just seeing pictures from that, and you know. Thoughts and prayers out to the people uh, in in West Virginia where that's that's uh, that, that's been impacted so heavily with the flooding and the mud and all that. But I mean, the golf course looks like I, I don't know how you recover from something like that. I mean, it looks terrible. Yeah, um, and that's a, such a beautiful area too. Yeah, it's just, um, it's and, and it's mud. It's not just water. It's mud. I saw Michelle Tesori posted something on Facebook of a house that I guess she's rented when when they've when they've gone to that event. And I mean the living room in this house, there's it's the floor is like a, a like a brown color and it's just, you know, inch and a half deep footprints throughout the entire house. It's just mud in this you know, covering the floor of this house. I mean, it's terrible stuff. So not surprising that the Greenbrier is canceled. Um, yeah, I don't know what we haven't really decided what we're doing as far as our podcast, so I don't know if we're doing something or not, uh, or if we're gonna release something. Or we're gonna do like a British Open preview thing, or we'll do something special, or we might just take the week off. So uh, we'll see. So to be determined there, but yeah. But then you got the you got the British Open coming up the next week, and that should be fun. Um, looking forward, looking forward to to that as well. So uh, all right, so let's get into let's get into the picks then. So what's so let's let's go straight to strategy then. So GPPs, and, and I'll say that's kind of my strategy as well. And I'm, I'm I typically tend to be the cash guy. I will be leaning more heavily towards GPP this week, and I'm also going to scale down my payroll just a little bit. Not not terribly. I mean, I know a couple of guys in, in our in our world in our world tend to not even play at all, but um, I'm definitely going to play. I, I still I still like it. You do lose a little bit of the edge and the variability. Uh, you know, impacts how well you could do if you if you do the research. But I do like the GPP um, the, the GPP angle that you mentioned. So. So tell me then, Pat, where are you going to start your GPP lineups um, out of out of these sixty-one players? Well, I tell you, the the just right off the bat, I am going to fade the top three guys in Jason Day, DJ, and Spieth. Wow! And I'm going to start with Adam Scott, who I love this week, and Brooks Kepka, who is my favorite guy this oh, week at yes. ninety-nine hundred. Yep. Um, Kepka's my number one guy this week, and so I'm going to, I think, start a lot of lineups with him because then I can fit some guys in there that um, I really like down in the eight and the seven range. And so uh, that's that's going to be my strategy. Now, again, let's, let's not take this the wrong way. I mean, obviously, Fading Day, DJ, and Spieth, um, those, those three guys all could easily win this and probably may, but uh, I just think for my lineups this week, for the way I want to play, I'm going to skip out on those those three guys, and I'm going to start with with Kepka and and probably some Adam Scott in there. Yeah, Kepka is my number one as well. That's that's funny. We did not talk about that beforehand, so we we've we've got our we've got matching number one ranked guys right now, and the the value is good to me with Kepka. Uh, the scoring is there. He checks the box in the proximity yardages that I talked about, uh, driving distance, and points against the field average in the last twelve weeks. Loving Brooks Kepka. And you know it'll be interesting to see. I mean, in the in the GPPs, how I, I have a feeling a lot of folks are going to do something like that, and that Day and DJ and Spieth will be fairly low uh, lower owned than maybe we anticipate. Uh, obviously, we'll have to see you know who everybody else is talking about by the time we set lineups on Wednesday night or so. But if I was going to go in that top three, I think it's got to be DJ. He checks the box in the proximity stats, the driving distance. Points against the field average and strokes gained approach. So if you're going to pop up there, I, I do like DJ. Um, 
I don't mind Adam Scott, but I think I'd rather, if I was going to go that high, I think I'd just rather hop up to DJ. But a lot of my lineups are going to start with uh, with Brooks for sure. And I, I like Bubba this week too. Um, I feel like Bubba's been kind of quiet here lately. Uh, maybe not in the best maybe not in the best form for Bubba Watson type form, but I like this course for him. Uh, he's got a good course history. Obviously can get the ball out there pretty far, and he, and he, and he hits the box in the proximity stats. So Bubba and Brooks are going to be, you know, maybe kind of where I tend to start a lineup there. Um, and I think there's a lot of good guys, a lot of good value down here at the bottom. But what about the rest of that uh, 9000 and $8,000 range? Who are you liking in there? Yeah, um, real quick, one of the things I'll add about Kepka that I think is, is uh, something that, you know, now, again, this is not saying that he'll do this again last year but, but or this year, but last year he did have all four rounds in the 60s. Uh, so you get a bonus there. And so um, that's, that's right. something that, you know, that, you're kind of hoping for this week is just those type bonus points. Anytime you can get a bonus point this week with the way the field is and the, the no cut, I think, you know, that's going to be good. Um, yeah. And he was, all, know, he was also I, the only guy in the field last week to do that last year to do yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm really kind of liking Furyk this week too at 9,500. I mean, he has great, fantastic course history has been playing. You great, know, well fantastic this year. course history. Great, great, fantastic. Wow. That's right. That that's another level to have great fantastic course history. Well, you know, I'm I'm just trying to bring you that in depth course history uh, <laughs> knowledge there. So man, that's uh, great fantastic. If I've ever yeah, yeah yeah. So anyway, um, now you've made me lose much. Uh, so uh, in the last I guess ten years, he's got five top ten finishes and uh he's been he's just been great this this last uh stretch here i kind of was off him coming off the injury but now uh you know he 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 rallied to finish pretty well last last week after a good sunday round uh finished 21st and then obviously the the great finish at the u.s open so i I like furick at 9500 and i think he still might be a little bit of a contrarian play that i I like to um that i'm going to be looking at for this week so he's one of those that, that I like as well in that in that nine thousand range. Well, I'm not big on Furyk in the in the nine thousands. I'm going to go back on Patrick Reed. He did not play well in the in the on the weekend for Quicken Loans, but checking the box in the proximity stat, the driving distance, and the points against the field average, and at ninety one hundred, and, and probably tick some people off over the weekend just not playing that well. I think I like my chances there, sandwiched between Hideki and Ricky. Um, so Reed will be the last guy I go to in the nines. If I jump down the eights, there are, let's see, there's, there's two guys in there that I really like in the eights. One is Jason Duffner, uh, checks the box in the, in the, you know, the proximity stat of 175 to to 200 yards out, um, checks it in points against the field average. He's in good form. He's got a good course history here. He also checks the box in strokes gained approach. I'm really liking Duff. Uh, if he can get the putter going just a little bit, uh, I, I like him a lot at 8,500. And then the last guy in that range before we get in the sevens that I like is Berger. Also checking the box in the proximity stat, the driving distance stat, and the points against the field average stat at 82. So those are my those are my two my two horses there in the eights. What about you? Well, this is just a, a love fest. A love fest. This is yeah, this is. I- this is great, fantastic. Is that what you said? Great, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on Duffner as well. I'm I'm totally with you. Uh, he also checks the box on greens and regulation. Which, if you look at last year, I was going to say this earlier, but it was hard hard to get a word in when you were trying to talk about stats and stuff. But if you look at last year, greens and reg was a, a big stat. I think nine out of the top ten uh, last year finished um, right up there in the in the top ten or so in that stat. So I think you know. Greens and Reg is another one to look at. Um, another thing about Duffner, I went back and looked at, and this is this is going back to maybe my theme for tonight about the the bonus points for consecutive rounds in the '60s. But he actually is is uh, up there this year. He has nine consecutive rounds in the '60s. Now, not going back from his last round, but just this year, he had a stretch where he had nine consecutive. So, I don't know. You know, that that could be something that uh, you could see him play very well. He's, he's just again, he's been. Uh, Real consistent, had a really good year this year. Um, so I'm, I'm with you there on Duffner. Also, Berger, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I think, um, 
you know, he's he's been playing well. Obviously, won at the FedEx St. Jude. I think that's a great price for him at 8,200. So, I'm going to be in on him as well. And also Justin Thomas, I think at 80 at 8,000. I like him. He's a he's a he's a distance guy. I think he can. Uh, you know, he's going to bomb it around here. And uh, to me, Justin Thomas is a good price at 8,000. So he's another one that I'll add to your list. So this this isn't a complete love fest because I don't know if you like him or not, but. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not huge. Not huge on him. Um, I prefer to grab Burger there, just above him, or drop down in the sevens. There's three guys I like in the sevens, and I'm going to go low sevens because I, I think with my strategy of trying to load up with like a Brooks and Bubba combo, I'm going to have to get down here. Uh, I'm not going to be able to hang out too much in the high sevens. But uh, Harris English is one. It checks it in proximity, in driving distance, and in points against the field average. Harris has been playing pretty well at 7,300. I like him a lot. I think he could be – I think he should be higher priced than a few of the guys up above him. Uh, so he's one I like. And then the other two guys are Piercy and Hoffman. You know, this just feels like one of those, again, you know, where Piercy's just kind of a little underrated, you know, here. And, and he's this guy can he, – he's a scorer. We know he's a scorer. He's in good form coming off the U.S. Open finish. Um, so and, when I, and I know he can hit it a long way. So I like Piercy at 7,100. And then right below him, Charlie Hoffman, checking the box in the proximity stat, driving distance, and the points against the field average stat. So English, Piercy, and Hoffman are three guys that will probably be, you know, find their way as, you know, on a lot of my lineups so I can stack two at the top. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on those. Um, not as much on Hoffman. Uh, definitely love Piercy. He was one of those I wrote down at 7,100. Um, I think he's he's going to be a good play this week. Um, two guys that I'll mention, and I think they, they kind of focus in a little bit on that GPP theme, is, is J.B. Holmes at 7,700. Uh, like him from a par-4 scoring, he checks the box there, so he's going to have some birdies. He's a, obviously a... If, if you know JB, he can bomb the ball, so I, I, I love that this week at 7,700. Also, like Russell Knox, who I was on at the U.S. Open, uh, he checks the box on par-4 scoring, uh, total driving, greens and reg. Uh, so I think at 7,500, Russell Knox is another guy that I, I'm, I'm going to be all over this week. So those are two that I'll add in the 7,000 range, in addition to Piercy and also Grillo, who's a, a first-timer this, this year. Um, but he's he's a good total driver of the ball. You know he's gonna you know he's gonna hit fairways and also you know hits it a decent decent ways. So I like I like Grillo. He's a greens and reg type guy too. So seven thousand for me is a good price. So he's another one that I will throw in there as well. Well, going down to the you know the sixes and fives, which if you go by our strategy, you're also going to have to dip into here. One guy that's going to be on a lot of lineups for me. I'm probably going to be pretty overweight. And overexposed to this guy is right there at 6,900. Smiley Kaufman, love Smiley Kaufman in this spot. It's a scores a scores golf course, which he does. He can take advantage of his length. He checks that box, and and he's checking the box in that proximity category that I mentioned. So I'm really liking Smiley Kaufman at 69. It's it's going to be he's going to be on a lot of my lineups. Like he's he's probably going to be a core play for me just being down there that low. He might be kind of popular. I mean it, in that range I could see him being pretty popular, but um, Yeah, I think he's going to be pretty highly owned. Yeah, but if, a, but you know, if I, if I throw in play. if I throw him in with Piercy and English, who I think are going to be a little lower owned in that in that range and then and then load up at the top, you know, I definitely I, I don't mind it. Um Andrew Johnson kind of pops to me a little bit. He's a driving distance guy, you know, in good form at 6,300. Still pretty unknown on on this side of the of the big pond there. Um, so I don't mind Andrew Johnson. And then there's a couple other guys down there at the bottom. But I'll, I'll let you tell me who you're who you're into in the sixes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of with you actually. Andrew Johnson was one of the guys that I, I really like down here. Um, I'm probably not going to go too far down. Um, I think if I do, it's going to be him. It's going to be Andrew Johnston. But also kind of, again, McGirt at 6,800 is just a, a really solid play. I mean, the guy has been a cut maker on tour. He, he's, he's a scorer. So I think, I think McGirt is one of those at 6,800. You know, and coming off a win at the Memorial, I know he didn't play well at the U.S. Open, but um, I like him. I like him this week at, at that price. So he's another guy that I'm going to go to. I don't – yeah, I don't mind him either. He does check the box in points against field average on fantasy golf metrics and the proximity stats. So 
I definitely don't mind McGirt either. He actually might be a better pivot play for uh, than, than Smiley Kaufman. I just feel like Smiley's going to do so well at this event. But, um, but yeah, I, li- I like the McGirt play. Who else? You know who I skipped over? That, that I'm, so I'm, I'm jumping up here, but Kyung take him. Uh, no, no, no. You're, but you're gonna, you're probably gonna fall out of your chair when you hear this. I'm going up into the eight thousand range. Jeez. One of the guys that I love this week for a GPP play, Louis, Louis Oosthuizen. Yeah. How do you know I was gonna say that? Because I mean, it's a GPP play. You hate Louis for the most part. It makes <laughs> sense. This probably will not be an event he withdraws from. So. I mean, I think if he finishes, he gets fifty grand or something. So, yeah. So I, again, I think um, he's going to be low owned the in your in your tournament. Yeah, I, I, so I can see I, that. I think he's he's going to be a good one because we do know when he gets in these. Um, not that this is a major by any means, but um, WGC but, event. It's a, it's a nice event. Yeah. So I I could see him being a, a really good play this week, and I, I'm going to put him in some lineups. Anyway, yeah, I mean, go, the, go, the, the, the guaranteed 50 grand will pay for his mattress transportation, too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, a couple other kind of lower-end values that I'm looking at. Um, if you're going to go low, Vaughn Taylor actually checks. It's crazy. I mean, the guy literally has done nothing no, since Pebble Beach. Is, but no. In the last – but I'm telling you, in the last 12 weeks, he checks the box in the field, top 20 in the field in the proximity distance from 175 or greater than 200. And he's checking the box in strokes gained approach, so I mean I don't I don't I don't know I'm just saying at fifty at fifty nine hundred, Von Taylor probably going to be sub you know three percent owned in one of the big ones. Um, Bowditch intrigues me a little bit. I, I mean I I worry about his driver. I know he's I know he's trying to control the driver a little bit, but I do know Bowditch can score, and he's guaranteed to play the weekend. So that's good. That's good news. Um, a little interesting there, but actually below him, Davis Love interests me a little bit too. He's got an incredible course history here back in the day, uh, but we still know Davis can hit the ball. Like Davis Love can still hit the ball out there a little bit. Um, he checks the box in the last 12 weeks in the proximity stat, and I don't know. He's been playing well this year. I, I could see if I was going to go way on down. I mean, 5700 bucks. I don't, I don't mind it. So that, that's it for me. I'm I'm gonna get pretty crazy in those GPPs, so I'm gonna have to go down there. Yeah, I think I think you will, but I, there I I can see the Davis Love play. Um, I actually with you with Bodish. I mean, he was 12th here last year. I think it's coming around for him. I really do. So I mean, I know he had that you know one day that was not very good at the U.S. Open, but you know the he had a he had a pretty good score. What he was one two over uh, his second round. So um, yeah, I think that could be. Yeah, he could be a, a a good play, you know, from a, a five thousand guy standpoint. And he's probably listening right now, so he's he's gonna, uh, you know, get on me for, for <laughs> either either being on him or not being on him. I don't know which one it is, but yeah, he'll probably say, "No, mate, don't do it. Like, don't don't pull the trigger." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you dumb stepo. Yeah. Um. Well, good stuff. You know, those are the picks. We went through them kind of quick. Short field, obviously. Not a lot of action on DraftKings. We, the, the Piercy interview is full and some good content, so we kind of went through that quickly. Some, a few announcements to make. We do have about, if you, if you got a T-shirt, there's still about 13 of you that have not paid yet. So go ahead and pay up. I sent some directions to your email if that was, uh, if that was you. So please pay up. If you don't in time, then we're just going to, give your shirt to the next person. We do have some people who wanted shirts that got in late, uh, and, and we only sold 50 of them, so I've got some folks on standby. So go ahead and send us, uh, check that email and send us payment if you've not already. Also, man, you know, with the British Open being so quick, we've got the Listener League to do again. So uh, we'll, we'll get the 50-person the, the 50, 50 Listener League in. Um, you know, I'd really love to see some people in the Listener League this time around that haven't done it yet. So if... Um, if you didn't get in on the Masters or the U.S. Open Listener League, email us, let us know, and tell us that you want to get in for the British. Or I, I keep calling it the British. It's the British. It's whatever. Uh, the Open. Uh, email us and let us know. It's $20 buy-in, 50-man contest. Pay out to the top five. It'll be a good time. We want to go ahead and get that filled and get that going, so let us know. Uh, what else, Pat? Can you think of anything else going on at the moment that we need to talk about? 
No, I think uh, I think you covered it. Uh, looking forward to a a good week at the at the WGC and uh, maybe an off week next week. We'll see what what goes on. I don't know. We have haven't made any plans for what we're going to do, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll just give us a little more time for some research to have a a big open show. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Look, looking forward to it. Well, sounds good. We wish everybody uh, the best of luck this week. May your screens be green. Thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast, as always. Look us up on Twitter, at Tour underscore Junkies, if you don't already. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. If you've not done that, we would really appreciate the review. Uh, it only takes a few minutes. That would be great. Let us know you did, and we will give you send you like an emoticon fist bump, and it will be really cool. <laughs> um, other than that, See ya! Oh! What will you discover in Asheville, North Carolina? Your inner explorer as you hike mountain trails. Your creative streak as you stroll the River Arts District. In Asheville, the answers can surprise you. Don't miss Summer of Glass, now through September, featuring Tahuli at Biltmore and a community-wide celebration of glass with local exhibitions and tours. Visit exploreasheville.com to plan your stay. Asheville. Discovery inside and out. All New Ellen, Michael Strahan. Plus, a little cruise ship dancer taking over social media. People were coming up to me and asking me for autographs. It was kind of awkward. But... Right, well, it's going to be more awkward now. Ellen, today at 3 on NBC4. Imagine moving into a new home and hearing scratching, screeching every night. Inside the walls, hundreds of bats. They just took over that. I had no idea. Warning signs something could be lurking in your home. Today at 5 on NBC4.